Welcome to Oceans Church. I know this has been an unusual Sunday. We've been going a little harder than we normally do, but make no mistake about it, we're here for uh, we're here to go all, all in. If Jesus is real, he's worthy of everything. If he's fake, he's worthy of nothing. We can't come with this lackadaisical mentality that we're checking a religious box. We're here for God. And everyone said amen. If you're atheist today or agnostic, I'd encourage you, don't ever be suspicious of Christians that are on fire. Be suspicious of the ones that sing like Jesus is dead. If they're bored, if they're downcast, and they look like they're just suffering in church, I would be suspicious of their Jesus. But the ones that seem lit on fire, those are the ones that I'd be like, well, maybe this is real. They, they're singing like he's listening. And so uh, if you're here today, we're atheists, we're glad you're here. We know every week people join us online, in person, that don't believe what we believe or, 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 or really value what we value. We're so glad that you are here. We believe that God loves you, has an amazing plan for your life. And guess what? There's no one in this room or listening right now that's outside of the reach of God's love. No one has screwed up too much. No one has burned down your life too bad that God can't build it back even better. Can I get a witness in the church? And I know, again, we're a little later in service. I'm going to jump right in today. If you have your Bible, who will give me like an hour and a half, uh, 20 minutes? Give me 20 minutes. Can I get 20 minutes? 20, 40, 60, that's all I need. All right, perfect. Uh, but no, we're going to jump in this morning. I'll try to get there as fast as I can. But Luke, uh, Psalms chapter 1 is where we're turning today. We've been in a series called Super Bloom. And the idea of this series is that as California has gotten record rainfall, record snow, we really believe that this is a not only just a natural thing that's happenstance, we believe it's first the natural, then the spiritual. We believe the dry places of California, the dry hearts of California, are going to experience the moisture of God, that God can change the atmosphere of a desert. Some of you, you feel like a spiritual desert, and I got news for you today that God can rain on your parade. Can I get an amen in a good way? And we'll play on words there. But I'm excited you're here today. I'm going to just uh, read uh, one chapter, six verses out of Psalms chapter 1. I want to encourage you today, if you've been in church, you're familiar with this passage. Don't ever read a familiar passage with a full stomach. I always want to encourage you, always read the Bible hungry, not full. Can I get a witness in here? You'd be amazed at how much food looks good in your refrigerator if you're on a fast. All of a sudden, you got crazy options. If you've been on a normal diet, you're like, I have nothing to eat. It's because you ain't hungry enough. You get hungry enough, that pizza in the trash can starts smelling good. You hear me? Don't ever get so full that you read the Bible with no appetite. You guys ready? Psalms chapter 1. If you're there, say, I'm ready. Verse 1, I want to talk to you this last uh, last two messages. Uh, next week I'm talking about Pentecost, so you don't want to miss next Sunday, and then we're going to go to the beach and get baptized. Hey, just quick, too, we have our first men's event, June 16th. It's going to be called the Assembly, and the women's have a collective. We have an assembly. And we're going to have NASCAR-appropriate T-shirts, maybe some heavy metal-looking T-shirts that say the Assembly. It's going to be awesome. And then on Father's Day, June 18th, two days later, we're going to have Jesus Barbecue and Cars. And we're going to have a car show after church. So if you own a vehicle that's nice, bring it out. Leave your Prius at home. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Kidding. It's California. It's a joke. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man. What is he? Blessed. Say it with me. Blessed. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight is what? Delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He, he, let me tell you what he's like. He, he should be like a tree planted. Say it with me, planted. I love it when our my stories line up with our messages. I wasn't planning. I didn't hear Jenny's testimony until just as you did. But I love the fact that she talked about being planted. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever, say with me, whatever. It's a great promise today. It's a great promise. Whatever he does shall prosper. Here's the distinction. The ungodly are not the same way. They're not so, but they're like, they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Familiar passage, first chapter out of 150 chapters, chronologically kind of sets the tempo for the whole book of Psalms. Powerful, powerful six verses. We're going to look at them today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this title down, By the Water. By the Water. I believe everyone in this room, everyone listening to me, has an invitation to flourish to bear fruit, fruit that would actually impact the world. God made your life to solve a problem in the earth. God made you. You're not an accident, not a coincidence. Your parents might have been surprised by you. God was not. You didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents. You came from God. And I want to tell you today that God made your life for an impact. Nine billion some people on the earth. No one has the same fingerprints. Why? Because God wants you to leave an impression no one else can make. Are you hearing me? We're going to pray right now, and I believe that we're going to prosper. We're going to, we're going to super bloom by the water. Amen? Lord, we ask you that you would do a deep work quickly today. We thank you that you'd have your way. Meet us here. Cause us to be right smack dab in the middle of what you're doing in the kingdom. We know that, Lord, no one's come back from an 03 deficit, but we pray you'd help the Lakers. In Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Amen. I, uh, I get asked often, we've been in California now, May was, it's been five years since we've moved to the great state of California. People ask me, what do you love? What do you love about California? I, I can guess what you don't like, but what do you like? And uh, usually up there in the top three uh, responses is, uh, I usually like to tell them, I love artificial turf. I like fake grass and I cannot lie. I, I love it. I, uh, I actually fantasized about turf for about 17 years in Idaho. People think that natural grass is wonderful. It's not. It has maintenance. I was walking with my friend Philip Hussey, call him Philip Hustle, and he made a comment in my neighborhood this week. He goes, look at their, their lawn. I'd like to have a lawn like that again. Just cut some grass. I'm like, God bless you. I don't miss cutting grass. I don't miss fertilizing grass. And I want you to know that I've always had average grass, but I have a perfectionist wife. This has created a lot of my resentment towards normal grass. I would never hear the end of our discolored grass. Didn't matter how good the day was. Every day we drove into the neighborhood, I knew it was coming. Literally, could have won the lottery that day. Pulled onto our street, I knew what was coming up next. Mark, our yard looks terrible. Why isn't our grass as nice as their grass? I'm like, they're retired. They don't have a life. We're 20-something. I don't know what I'm doing, and I can't afford to pay for somebody. Come on. 
I would try, go out and get the, the fertilizer. People love real grass. I'm like, no, I don't like real grass. Real grass has uh, something that came during the fall of humanity called crabgrass. Crabgrass is a demonic legion that attacks the greenery of your home. It's hard to get rid of. It's like cellulite. Can I get an amen? It's just tough. It's tricky to get rid of. And I remember trying to get rid of just the, the crabgrass. You fertilize it. You aerate it. You try to get air to the roots, allow water to get nutrients to the roots. And Idaho was notorious for heat to, to come before the irrigation water was turned on. And the heat and the lack of water would cause stress. The lawn would start to look bad. And here comes the jabs from Rochelle. Our grass looks terrible. Why don't we have better grass? Why can't our grass look like their grass? And I just, I got worn out. I would eventually hire someone in my desperation. And as the true green guy came to my house, I'm like, look, this is a pain in the grass, okay? And uh, I need to sort this out help me. And I always thought, you know, I'm going to have to like actually reseed my yard. I'm going to have to buy new sod. And to my surprise, as bad as my lawn looked, this expert would always say, no, it's, it's not as bad as you think. You'd be amazed that when the water comes back on, it'll come back. I wish I could say he only told me that one time, but it happened every year. We would resurrect my lawn. May, June, it would come back to life. But I was praying this week, and as I was reading Psalms chapter 1, I heard the Lord say, some of you, you feel like a dead lawn. You think that the only way that you're ever going to be green again is if you start over. Got to move. Got to get divorced. Gotta, I got to just run away from my problems. My life is too dry to ever be green again. And I heard the Lord speak to me through the voice of the true green guy that ripped me off. And he said, the grass isn't dead. When you water it, if you can get some water on it, it'll come back. And I want you to know there's a beautiful chapter in Psalms, we just read it, about what it's like to actually give your heart to Jesus. And the promise of scripture is your life will be like a tree by the rivers by the waters. Many people live dry, dehydrated, under stress, kind of like a lawn without water. And we wonder why, why is my life so dry? Why is my soul so empty? How have I achieved so much in my educational life, in my career life? I have a beautiful family, but I feel dry and I feel dead on the inside. I would tell you that, listen to me, that if, you're, if your desires are fulfilled that were not created in the presence of God, it doesn't matter how much you achieve. You can't out-success the need for Jesus in your life. You can't have enough sex. You can't make enough money. You can't, you can't achieve enough followers. You can't do enough to feel fulfilled on the inside. Are you hearing me today? And I'm in Orange County, so I'm going to speak openly because many people lie to us and they say, if you had the house in that neighborhood, if you married that model, if you could get that following, if you had that power, if you, if you were achieving that level of prominence, then you would feel like a watered lawn. You'd feel like a tree planted by the rivers of water. But one of the wise men of the Bible actually wrote this down. He said, it's not the way it works. There's three things that we don't do. There's one thing that we do do, and then we actually got to hold fast to God developing us. 
And then we'll be like trees planted by the waters. Most people don't realize that Psalms is written by uh, several authors. David didn't write all of them. He wrote 73 chapters. Korah wrote 11. Uh, Asaph wrote 12. Solomon wrote 2. Moses wrote 1. And we can go on. But notice that Psalms chapter 1, and really the narrative of the Bible, if you look at it, starting in Psalms chapter 1, actually going on to Psalms chapter 1, the Bible seems to be a, a history built around the stories of two men. Or we could call it two choices. Psalms chapter 1 basically boils all of life down to you're going to live one of two ways. You're going to serve one of two masters. The Bible is a history that's full of two men. The first Adam and the last Adam, Jesus Christ. It's a story of either doing it Cain's way or doing it Abel's way. Doing it Ishmael's way or doing it Isaac's way. Doing it Esau's way or doing it Jacob's way. Doing it David's way or doing it Saul's way. Doing it Christ's way or doing it the Antichrist way. Story of two men. Story of two ways. A story about two paths. And I believe many of you today, again, you can't out-success the fulfillment you're lacking. Because life is about basically the wisdom that's deposited in Psalms chapter 1, that blessing and favor land on those who would actually value and love what God values and loves. The opposite is also true. We have people, I have friends, they've made it their identity to rebel against everything that's God. And when you find your identity in rebellion, your life will be depicted of witchcraft and you'll have the symptoms of dark status lifestyles. Why is everybody dying? Why is there so much death around me, darkness around me? The Bible says to hate God is to love death. And the moment you begin to give God the bird, you're welcoming the dark cloud into your family. Are you hearing me today? And I felt the love of God saying, here's the good news though. Can I give you some good news? He starts off by saying blessed, which is the Hebrew word Asher, which is one of the sons of Jacob. And Asher literally means, this is what it means. It means, oh, the happiness. Oh, the blessedness of the man who does not do three things. I want to give you three donuts. Is that all right? Three do nots. Is that all right? He says there's three things if you want to avoid the path that leads to destruction. Just three things. And like money, it's easy to, it's easy to hear. It's hard to live out. Can I be honest with you? What I'm going to share to you is very elementary. The notes of this isn't very dynamic, but I'll tell you what is dynamic is trying to live this out. Just like, you know, the, you know, you know what they say about your career, like spend less than you make? Easy? No, not easy. Why? I'm making more, but I'm spending more. Where's it going? It's, it's easy to understand, to save, to give, and to invest. It's hard to live it. In the same way, Psalms chapter 1, easy to read, difficult to live. People say, Christianity's easy, isn't it? No, no, no. Christianity's free. Christianity's not easy. Being a Christian is free, but being a disciple will cost you everything you got. We got a lot of Christians. We don't have a lot of disciples. What are you saying? Well, Christians are just trying to get to heaven. Disciples are trying to get heaven to earth. And the difference is is Jesus spoke more about bringing heaven to earth than us going to heaven. So there's something missing in the links that God goes, look, if you want to actually be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that is blessed in whatever you do, let me tell you the recipe today. 
First thing you got to understand is that there are some things that we have to willfully, we have to intentionally, and we have to purposefully dodge. Most preachers won't tell you this. They'll say, no, you're in the world. Just, just kind of blend in, fit in, be a little 007 agent at your work, at your business. Don't tell anybody about your faith. Keep your light to yourself. Come on, we know the old song, this little light of mine. But we don't have a culture like that today. We have cancel culture. You shine, you shut up. You can be loud about anything. You want to worship animals. You want to worship the forest. You want to worship crystals. Be loud. Jesus, Bible, shut up. But I'm telling you that could it be that what's opposed the most has the most power? Could it be that if we have the most resistance, it's because we have the most authority? And I'm telling you today that most times we don't see fruit in our life because we kind of go through life accepting anything and everything. In the kingdom of God, we have choices. Say it with me, choices. We can receive what's in culture. We can redeem what's in culture. Or we can reject. Most Christians don't understand this. We think we receive everything that they receive, and we live everything that they live, and we believe everything pretty much they believe. Don't we just all coexist? Aren't all religions kind of the same? Isn't it all about just like, you know, it's all about like kind of, they all look the same, the buildings look the same, they're all over the same cities. Isn't it all just kind of like white noise vanilla? Truth is, taxis look the same. They don't all go to the same place. Destination determines, direction determines destination. And if you have different beliefs that lead, or you hear me today, boats look the same. They don't all go to Sydney. Not all trains go to Vancouver. Are you hearing me today? Not all airplanes go to JFK. We know this, that direction determines destination. Interesting thought here is he says, look, if you want to, if you want to be Asher, you want to be joyous. You want to experience happiness. You got to understand that in your life, some things you receive, this is good. This is neutral. Some things I redeem, all right, this was bad, but God, you're going to redeem it. Or you're going to say, you know what? This is terrible. This is, as Psalms 1 says, it's ungodly. It's actually sinful. And it's even beyond sinful. It's scornful. I have found people that start with Jesus but end up like Judas. And it's not because they didn't start loving Jesus. It's because somewhere along the way, someone told them, never told them, there are some things in our world that we have to willfully, intentionally dodge. What's he say? Number one, you got to dodge. If you're taking notes, you got to dodge walking in ungodly counsel. Problem is most of us are getting the news from the wrong source. We're getting, we're getting uh, information, worldview, theology from people that have crippled relationships with God or none. And I love this because we know even from the life of Peter that when Peter stood at a distance, he actually sat down with the wrong crowd and ended up denying Jesus three times. This is exactly what Psalms 1 says. If you stand with the wrong crowd, you walk with the wrong crowd, you'll eventually sit with them. And who you sit with is who you will become like. Some of you wonder why your life stinks. It's because the people around you smell. Attitude smells like gossip. Their appetite smells like perversion. Why do I smell like this? Well, if someone throws up on you, 
You're going to smell. Are you, are you hearing me today? And we don't realize that we choose who I walk with, who I stand with, and who I sit with. Are you, are you suggesting, preacher, that we have no friends that, that, that don't know Jesus, that all of our friends are in a little church club, and we just kind of eject from culture? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying your closest influences. You know what ungodly means? By definition, ungodly means this. Ungodly counsel means those who are willfully and persistently doing what's wrong. You want to do a litmus test. All right, what's the test? Uh, if someone that's your close friend says they love Jesus, but they're intentionally, willfully, persistently doing the wrong thing. The Bible says to find another best friend. Yes, we love people that don't know Jesus. And hear me today. We are not pushing our convictions on someone that's never had a God encounter. That's religion. Religion goes, you better be holy like I'm holy because God's holy and you should be too. If they haven't tasted what you've tasted, seen what you've seen, why would you expect them to live like you live? Here's what we do instead. We pray that they see. We pray that they taste what you see and taste. Because if they can experience what you experience, maybe they'll value what you value. Issue is in our day and age is we have a society that we're getting ungodly counsel from. That's why divorce often happens in couples. It happens in groups. You get to the barber shop, the hair salon, and the girl that divorced her husband four times is telling you to divorce your husband. And that bitter person's telling you how to be bitter. And that crooked person's telling you how to be crooked. When you are, hear me today, if you're getting counsel from people that don't know God like you do, Psalmist says you're in, you're in the wrong path. Beyond that, not just walking with the wrong crowd. He says, look, it's not just walking, it's who you stand with. He says standing in the path, the path of sinners. Now, I know we don't like the word sinners. We all are sinners. But, but notice this. Sinning just means those that miss the mark of God's standards and don't care. We all screw up. But those friends of yours are like, dude, it's fine. I'm just going to keep on just living wild. Live like God's going to keep on putting a grace band-aid on me. Put on my grace diapers every week. I'm just a failure. Oops. Happened again. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Maybe when I die, God will take care of this perversion, this anger, this eating disorder, this drug addiction. Maybe when I die, God will he'll deliver me. You know what happens then? You just made death your savior. Jesus is the savior. And I do believe that many people live their lives with darkness that Jesus paid to purchase. Can I get an amen? amen. So here's what we know is we got to dodge walking uh, with ungodly counsel, standing in people that are willfully don't care about doing what's wrong. And how about this one? Sitting with scornful people. Sitting with them. Scornful people are people that make fun of God's ways. There are people that actually make fun of his laws, his word, and they ridicule what is sacred. Yes. Scornful. I would warn anybody here today or anybody watching online, if you're making your platform by talking bad about God's church, I'm scared for you. I don't believe God's going to reward anybody that took, that took swings at his bride. I've never given money to anybody that's talked bad about my wife. I've... Are you hearing me today? I've never become close friends with anybody that's dogged on Rochelle. 
And I would tell you today before God that if, if you're making your living swinging and trying to criticize pastors and churches and endorsing mock mockumentaries or, or documentaries, I would say the famous words of Will Smith, Jesus would say, keep my wife's name out of your mouth. God doesn't want you talking bad about his bride. It's not perfect, but it's his wife. Can I get an amen? The problem is we've been around scorn-filled people. Well, the church is flawed. They're a bunch of hypocrites. The problem is, though, is that the church isn't perfect. And if it was, when you showed up, that was a joke. When I showed up, there goes the perfection. What we know is this, is that if we stand where we sit and where we actually allow that scornfulness to come in, we got to dodge those things. Can I get an amen? Well, Mark, I've seen people that have lived godless. I've seen people in the church that have actually lived totally contrary to God. And here's what I've noticed, Mark, is uh, it seems like they were still blessed. Yes. Hear me very close. I know the horn's annoying, but stay with me. Watch me now. Is, do you know this, that most people mistake the difference between God's patience and God's approval? My eyes are up here today. God's patience versus God's approval. Some people are like, well, this guy's getting ahead. He's cheating everybody at work. He's cheating on his spouse. He's living godless, but he seems to be blessed. Don't ever mistake God's long-suffering with God's approval. Many people make the mistake that if they're getting to the top by doing it the wrong way, that's what I should do too. The Bible says don't walk in ungodly counsel. Don't sit in that path. Don't get in that scornful position. The sons of Eli were scoundrels. They had no regard for God, no honor. And again, they, they mistook God's long suffering with God's approval. We're not going to do that. Can I get an amen? We're going to dodge that, those three donuts. We're going to get rid of those things. And come on, say with me. Say number, number two, say delight. I believe if we will be a people that say there are some things that God does not invest in, God does not honor, God's not interested in, and if God's not into it, I'm not going to be into it. If I will dodge those things, secondly, he says this, there's three don'ts, there's one do. I need you to delight. You can tell a lot about a person by what they delight in. Delighting is actually something that you enjoy because what you enjoy, you will think about and you will do. Problem is, is most of us, we don't delight in God's word. I'm not throwing rocks today. You're looking at a guy that read one book in 12 years of school. Can I get a witness? The Outsiders. That was the one book I read. It was awesome. There's switchblades. Uh, I read one book. I'm not a reader. I was a watcher. I watched movies. I could memorize lines. I got so many useless lines just trapped in my head. I was a watcher, not a reader. But the Bible promises that those who meditate on God's word They'll be like a tree bearing fruit. Whatever they do prospers. Joshua 1.8 says, whatever you do, you'll be successful in it. Problem is most of us aren't successful because we don't value God's word. One scholar said it this way, how we treat the Bible is actually the way that we treat Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh. We say we love God, but we don't read his word. How do you get to know God? By reading his word. Well, God speaks to me and he just tells me everything that he wants me to do. Well, if he's telling you things that aren't in the Bible, you're hearing a different voice. God's voice will never contradict God's word. Good, good teaching there. Come on, can I get an amen? You guys still with me today? I'm almost finished. The word meditate literally comes in the Hebrew language. It means to mutter. It means to read in an undertone. It literally kind of carries the idea in the Hebrew uh, world of a dog chewing on a bone. 
That's what it means to meditate on the word of God. Man, blessed is the man who walks on the council of God, stands on the path of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that yields its fruit in due season. And whatever he does shall prosper. When you begin to memorize scripture, you begin to chew on it. What you think about is what you begin to enjoy. They say that meditation is like marination. You will take on the flavor of what you think about. That's why in America right now, countries that have TikTok and a lot of these social media platforms, what our kids are looking at is what our kids are thinking about and what they're becoming. You go to nations that don't have TikTok, some of our social platforms, they're not struggling with what our kids are struggling with. Because what you look at is what you think about. What you think about is what you talk about. And you're made in the image of God, so your words create your reality. Power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. A large ship driven by a small rudder, a little bit in a horse's mouth, wherever you want it to go, you're made in the image of God. Amen? So we got to understand this, that what we meditate on is a big deal. Trees in the Bible represented kingdoms. Say it with me, kingdoms. You guys still with me today? It represented individuals. What does that mean? It means that, it means that this is an interesting point here. Balaam saw Israel as a garden by the river when he tried to curse them and trees that were in abundance. Notice what trees are. They're alive. That's a good deal. They're beautiful. They're fruitful. They're useful. They're enduring. Check this out. They're planted. I love what Jenny said today. They have a root system. They draw up the water's nourishment because they're abiding in the ground. John 15 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, or hear me today, there will be fruit. Most people don't produce fruit because they don't ever get planted. I'll get you out of here in just a few minutes. Notice this. Trees, this is a big, big thought I never had before. Do you know this, that no tree actually enjoys its own fruit. It's a wild thought. Why are nations and individuals like trees? I'll tell you why. Because when God blesses you and makes you fruitful, it's never supposed to be about you. All the fruit that grows on your tree is enjoyed by somebody else. And that's where most of us get empty is we start eating our own fruit. We start enjoying our own produce. And we get self-centered. Are you hearing me today? We get, we get off-centric. And trees do not exist for their own, but for others. So why do so many people start with Jesus but end up like Judas? Because somewhere along the way, they let their friends that are either ungodly give them advice. They let their friends that say they love Jesus, but they're actually walking in godless patterns, set the culture of their values. Or worse yet, they begin to sit with people that criticize the church in a way that, that makes them feel good about themselves. Notice that it's always easier to criticize than it is to create. Biggest problem with social media, in my opinion, is it gives people a voice that don't deserve one. When I was growing up, you had to do something to be listened to. Now you can be 60 years old in your mom's basement blogging, throwing rocks at ministries that are changing the world, talking about this guy's off. You haven't done nothing for God. Sorry, I get fired up sometimes. Problem is, we get jaded. 
We get jaded because life does have disappointments. We pray for people that don't get healed and they die. We, we pray for miracles that don't take place. We experience tragedies that touch the just and the unjust. We live in a world that it rains on both. Jesus didn't promise us heaven until we got to heaven. Are you hearing me today? He said to pray for it, but we won't have it 100% until the next life. And the mistake that most people make is when life happens in a way that we can't understand or articulate, we try to bring God down to the level of our pain and our level of our understanding. If God was so good, why would he allow this? If God was so merciful, why did he allow this? If, God, if I've served God and God let me go through this fire, why would he allow this? I would remind you that, listen to me, very important here today. What you dodge and what you delight in will set you up for the third D. We have a disease as pastors. They always have to have the same letter. Is The third D is this. Is it'll, it'll set you up for how you develop. I want to warn you today that one of the big messages of the Bible isn't just starting well, it's finishing well. That's why it says in Hebrews 3, it says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is who? God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which will be spoken afterwards. Verse 6, check this out. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we all are. If. Say it with me. If. Say it again. What do you mean we're God's house if? This is the big clause. You're only God's house if you hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope that you had in the beginning firm to the end. Most people start with pure hearts, pure motives. God's good. The church is good. People are good. And we get bit by a few snakes and we start pushing people away. We start believing the worst, not believing the best. We start, we start bearing no things. We start hoping for no things. We lose our faith. We become cynical. And watch the warning, what it says here, as we read a little further. It says, uh, it says, it says something. If, and then he says, firm to the end. Say this with me. I'm a tree. I'm not chaff. Trees have fruit in due season. Can I get an amen? amen? He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water in due season. Trees versus chaff, what's the difference? Chaff is dead. Chaff is rootless. Chaff is blown about by every trend and culture. Chaff is destined for the fire. Chaff has no value. When grain is winnowed and the wind blows the chaff and the what, what chaff remains is thrown into the fire. No wonder Jesus used the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem, Gehenna is the name of it, as a picture of hell because that's where cheap waste ends up. When we choose to dishonor God, our life turns into garbage. Marriage is garbage. The ways I'm raising my kids smell like garbage. Values are garbage. I want to go to heaven, but my life smells like the earth. It's garbage. And God says, look, there's two paths. There's two men. We choose the first Adam or we choose the second Adam. We choose Christ or we choose Antichrist. We're either fully surrendered as a disciple or we're just kind of a little lukewarm fan that's driven and tossed by the wind. I'm grateful that we're living in an hour that you can be a Christian. I'm grateful that we don't have to do underground church. Maybe the days will come. But I'd like to warn you that if you're not proud and on fire for God now, you would never die for Jesus. 
Stop lying to yourself. I would die if the mark of the beast comes and Whole Foods makes me put a barcode on my forehead. I would never deny my faith. You don't even tithe. What are you talking about? You give God your life but not your checkbook? You don't even go to small group. You've never been to prayer. You come like twice a year. You're fooling yourself. You're mean. I'm, not, I'm just telling you the truth. Sometimes the truth will cut you before it cures you and hurt you before it heals you. And we got too many people that are like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. Living like hell six days a week. Crawling in a church. I'm, I'm a believer. I say this all the time in our church. If you're not all the way in, if you're not helping, you're not helping. Bunch of lukewarm Christians talking about, I love Jesus, but sniffing cocaine lines every day, treating your wife like, like trash, not there for your kids, cussing at work, making us all look like fakes. If you're not in, get in or get out. Stop this too. I'm annoying myself right now. That's me. No, that's the truth. And one day before you, when you stand before the throne, you'll be grateful that you had a pastor that told you the truth. Because I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not the pastor that says, like, look, just we'll put a grace band-aid on. Just keep sniffing, keep smoking, keep drinking, keep being dysfunctional. Maybe one day God will rescue you in heaven. I'm saying the Bible I read says all who call out to him. If you seek him with all of your heart, it says he will be found by you. Some of you have never sought God with all of your heart. You sought entertainment with all your heart. You sought girls with all your heart, guys with all your heart, money with all your heart, but you've never sought God with all your heart. And he's not a liar. If he says, if I will be found by those that call on me, if you go after me with all of your heart, he ain't lying. Can I get an amen? God will separate the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goats, the trees from the chaff. There is an expiration date, a due date, of, of fruit, of, 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 uh, of fruitfulness. How many know that in every house, there's got to be a designated, I call him a, uh, a chief smell officer, a CSO. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to make a corporate complaint to all food companies that they, they, they put expiration dates somewhere that it's impossible to find. I have looked at a bottle of milk 14 times around in a circle to find one expiration date. And back in the day, there was a gangster generation that didn't have expiration dates. They would use their nose. It smells fine. There's two types of people I found. Those that throw everything away prematurely and people that hang on to it way too long. I'm telling you that today, God has a due time, a due season. He has an expiration time that God wants you to produce fruit. But here's what we got to commit today. You guys with me today? We're going to commit to these three things. Lord, if it doesn't please you, let it not please me. I'm dodging it. it sounds legalistic. It sounds like God. How, well, why would you say that? Because it sounds like your wife, your husband. It sounds like romance. How many would dare to, at the altar go, hey, babe, look, I'm going to marry you, but I'm still going to look at what I want to look at? Yeah, thank you. It's one smart guy in this church is like, that's a dead man. That guy's dead. He's dead where he stands. Why? Because when you fall in love, you surrender your will to just like what you like. 
If you don't want to watch this show, I'm not going to watch it. If you want to watch Hallmark for too long, fine. We're sharing the TV. If you're not ordering it, I'm not ordering it. Are you hearing me right now? And most people, they, they understand that in marriage, but with God, they're like, no, he's cool with it. No, he's not. Don't mistake his long suffering with his approval. God will meet you where you are, but he won't leave you where you are. He's the parent that picks you up out of the street, carries you out of the freeway, and that's our testimony. I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was broken, but you restored me. This is the testimony of the people of God. And anybody that tells you otherwise is lying to you. If the gospel didn't change you, it's not good news. If the gospel can't change you, it's not that good. As far as I'm concerned, the gospel makes dead men alive. It makes bad men good. It makes liars into truth tellers. Are you hearing me today? It turns perverts into holy people. It turns broken people into whole people. So I want to pray for you. Let's all stand to our feet today. I'm sorry we went a little long today, but I'm sorry I'm not sorry. Praise God. It's a good day. I want to pray for you right now. Can I ask you an honest question today? Who would say, you know, I want to produce fruit? I'm tired of dry grass, and I want the Lord to water me. I'm willing today to, number one, here's what your response right now. Number one, I want to just say, God, if it doesn't please you, let it not please me. I'll dodge it. Would you put both hands towards heaven if you would pray that prayer today? I think we could all probably pray that prayer. Let's just pray it from our heart. We're going to go to the throne of grace. How do we develop? We develop at the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain uh, grace and find mercy to help in our time of need. We develop at his throne. So right now, come on, just close your eyes. We're going to his throne right now. And with your own voice, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, today I invite you to come in, make me sensitive to your voice, your nudges, your promptings. Reconnect my conscience. Take out the heart of stone and give me a heart of clay, soft heart, a godly heart, in Jesus' name. You put your hands down. You know what's so cool? There's a guy I was talking to. He's a great guy in our church. I was hanging out with him in his office. And he said, he was recommending a, a hotel he likes to stay at, Palm Springs. And he says, you know what? I haven't been there since I've been a Christian. He's been in our church for about a year now. He says, uh, honestly, Mark, I would say this is my favorite hotel, but they do like tarot cards and it's kind of new agey and they do like crystals and stuff. He's like, it didn't bother me before Oceans, but I've been like following Jesus for a year. I just, the idea of being in that environment makes me kind of sick. I didn't tell him he couldn't go there. Another guy in our church, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. What's going to happen to some of you next Sunday? And he said, I was in the middle of watching Yellowstone. He said, all of a sudden, I just had to start turning some of the shows off I was watching because I started feeling like corrupted. I started feeling like someone was putting mud on my soul. 
And I'm just like, man, did I, I didn't tell him, don't, don't watch Yellowstone. Don't watch Netflix. I don't preach don'ts. Maybe just don't walk and, and sit. Just the three don'ts that are in Psalms 1. But other than that, you know what I'm saying? But notice what happens when the Holy Spirit moves into you. You start feeling again. I just felt dirty when I said that. Man, I said that to my, my, my spouse or my mom or my grandson, and I felt like it grieved God. So I had to apologize. Does that make sense? So secondly, you're here and you say, Mark, not only do I want to I wanna dodge what God wants me to dodge, I want to have a new appetite to just honor this book again. Some of you have never read it. Some of you read it a while ago, but you lost your passion for it. Can I give you the, the Christians that have been following God for a while? Let me give you a secret. Get a new Bible every year. For me, when my Bible gets all tagged up, I stop reading hungry. I get a pen or a highlighter and I read my Bible hungry. When it gets all marked up, when I read it cover to cover in six or nine months, I get a new Bible and start over. Our staff knows this. I probably had six Bibles since we started this church. Get a new Bible this week and start a new chapter of romance. How many would say, Mark, would you pray for me that God would make me a reader, make me a lover, maybe even a listener of God's word? Would you put your hands up today? I want to pray for you. God, if we delight in your word, we'll be like a tree that bears fruit that's planted. So God, we lift our hands and we just pray this prayer. Say, Lord, I ask you today for a new passion, a new delight, a new desire to love your word. How can a person cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? I pray today a fresh appetite to read, spend time with you. And thirdly, say, Mark, I want God to develop me. I don't want TV or a theater. I don't want drama and society to shape my attitude. I want, I want to come to the throne of grace and let God, through prayer, take my pain, my disappointments, some of the frustrations of my life. God, I'm coming to your throne to be developed. As David's saying so well today, we know this, that there's an exchange at the throne of God, that we give him our pain and he gives us his peace. How many say, Mark, God, I want to commit today to developing in your throne. I'm not bringing my frustrations to social media. I'm not going to argue online. I'm not going to throw rocks at people. I'm not going to gossip about slander somebody. God, I want to bring my all to you. Would you lift your hands today? I pray for a new appetite to pray, to give God our pain. And I just thank you that you're doing something fresh today. In Jesus' name.